Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is recorded on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to their elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening here today. Sovereignty was never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Coming in at the top here with a little bit of a disclaimer before we get started with this episode. Everything that is expressed through myself and through Maddie are our thoughts and opinions and feelings based on lived experiences of processes in separate states and in very separate situations and over a decade apart from one another. It's really important that we highlight that these are exactly that, their thoughts and opinions. These are not facts. We are not lawyers and we are not providing any legal advice. What we are hoping to do is through lived experience and creating open conversations to open the dialogue up and identify and implement improvements along the way where possible. Thank you. Welcome to Reclaim Me. I'm your host, Madeline Heather. Reclaim Me is a true crime podcast told by those at the centre of those crimes, the victim survivors. The general public often hears stories of victim survivors through the lenses of perpetrators or the media, and we're changing that narrative here. These interviews are raw and honest, so a word of warning is necessary as discussion and topics may be triggering or distressing for some listeners, so please use your discretion. If you need help or support, please see the suggested resources in the show notes of this episode or contact your local crisis service. Welcome back for another episode of Reclaim Me. Before we get started with this week's episode, I have a few things to talk to you about, as usual anyway. I do have the first one, which is to remind you that we do have the Survivor Support Network, which is available on Facebook. So if you go to the show notes for this episode, or if you jump in the link that you'll find on all of the social medias associated with me or with this podcast, you'll be able to find the Facebook group called Survivor Support Network. Now, this is a private group for peer-to-peer support for different survivors um, from all over the world. We currently are doing small little events as well. You can post memes, you can chat. It's really a great place to find your people. So if you want to make some friends, if you want to talk to somebody about what you've got that's got going on, if you want to engage with different people who might understand you, then please come and join. All victims, survivors and allies are absolutely welcome into this space. Additionally, I want to say thank you so much to everybody who took the time to go rate and review and share and subscribe on their socials and on all of the podcasts and platforms that you listen to this podcast on. Again, if you haven't done that, please, it takes two minutes and it makes a world of difference. We're getting closer to the 100 review um, goal that I have set to have done by the end of the year. So please, if you can, stop what you're doing now. Open your phone, go to Apple Podcasts and write a review. If you don't, not on Apple Podcasts, do it wherever you possibly can. If you don't have access to any of those things, then please think about sharing with somebody that you know or sharing on your social media. It really, really does help. And it's so wonderful to 
to see people going in and reviewing and reading what you have to say about this wonderful podcast and the support that you're giving, not only to me, but these amazing guests that are coming on and sharing their incredible, incredible stories. But for now, uh, I want to welcome you back to part two of this discussion with Maddie. If you haven't already listened to part one, please go back to last week so that you're completely caught up and the rest of this conversation makes sense for you. But enough from me, let's jump straight back into part two of my chat with Maddie. And so I end up getting home on the phone to her and I'm still on the phone when I pull up in the driveway. And she's like, well, let's look it up then. So we look it up, both her on her laptop, me and my phone, like what is classified rape? And I don't know if you've ever looked this up, but if you put in what classifies rape on Google, the first results that come up on your Google, it could have changed. It's been two years. But back then, it was what happens to a man if you falsely accuse him of rape. That is the first result you get if you search that. Oh, <laughs> um, my God. Yeah, so I'm there just being raped, inconsolable, in a state of shock, and that's what I get. That's the first result. Uh, I was so angry. She was so angry. <laughs> um, but we had to scroll. And so we scrolled and we found, like, a helpline here. And it was like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I naturally, as a person, don't love being on the phone to people. And I think after, as you said, like big with flights and I've just been abused all week by people who want their money back and I don't have access, just didn't want to talk to anyone. But we found one you could text. So like, and be on a chat bill. So I chatted this person. Um, something's just happened to me and I need to understand like what it was. Like I said, no. And I had, I told in the chat, what happened? Yeah. It's like, no, that is assault. You've said no. And she's like, how would you feel about talking to someone else who specializes in this? And I was like, oh, like, I don't know. She convinced me. So she gave me a rape helpline that you could call. So I called this rape helpline. And by the stage, it's like, 2 30 in the morning so I'm like on pure adrenaline by the states and still shocked still crying still shaking and I talked to this lady and you don't give your name so you just give your suburb so she called me by my suburb which like for which I appreciate like I don't want anyone to know it's me at that stage and so I talked to her about happened and she's like how would you feel about going to the hospital and I was like no I don't want the cops to know I don't want anyone to know and she's like I understand but you said he didn't wear a condom. So for your own health, how would you feel like, or pregnancy or like your STDs? That hadn't even crossed my mind by that stage. I hadn't even thought about that. So in the state of shock where it was very just simple things in my head, it was one thing out of time. I was like, oh, she's right. Um, so I agreed. I was like, yep, you're right. Like I need to get tested. Um, so she looks up the closest hospital to my suburb with another angry <laughs> so many things make me angry now um but another thing the closest one to me um which is uh the northern beaches hospital they don't take assault so you can't walk in off the street saying you'd be assaulted they don't have the capability for it and I was like what the fuck what do you mean there's a hospital where you can't anyone who's strong enough to just walk in who's been assaulted and they can't like they can't help them I was just like what what <laughs> Anxiety ends up finding the second closest hospital to me that can do it. And she's like, I'll give you the number. I recommend pre-calling um, because like, you know, if there's a long wait for this type of people, like you may not want to wait there, you may want to set up time. It's like, okay, so she gives me the number. It's just direct to the front desk. <laughs> I just like, I was like, oh, I've been attacked. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I didn't know what to say. I was like, I thought it was going to be like the doctor I needed to speak to. They're like, oh, okay, let me put you on hold. So they ended up putting me through to the right doctor. But I like, yeah, we have the ability, the uh, we need to check. So she was like the the counsellor, I guess, the um, counselling she had to make sure there was a doctor who could be there. So it could be back in like 10 minutes and she's like, yeah, we can see you if you want to come in now, if you want to sleep or like, you know, do like we can do it in the morning. It's like, no, I just want it done. I'm on my way. Again, at this stage, by this stage, it was like three, it was like 10 to four, because again, I messaged several people who I just thought may be awake. So one was like my colleague who was on maternity leave. And I know she like, obviously woke up several times to feed Bob. No one responded. So again, drove myself. And I know people, like people questioned, they're like, why don't you just get a taxi? And my thought process was firstly, one, I didn't want to see anyone in risk of being a man. I was in the state of being terrified. And two, as discussed with flight, said if we had no certainty with our jobs. And I was like, I could be out of a job next week. I'm not paying the taxi to this hospital. Would have been like $80 one way. And then they said they could re, I had discussed it with their um, council on the phone and they could reimburse it for one way but not the other so I just I know like I can't afford it so I drove I drove myself there got to the hospital like five to five in the morning I'm just I'm still texting my friend in Canada at this stage and through the process like yeah I've got my they told me to put my underwear and clothes in a bag like yeah driving to the hospital at the hospital and so they put me into a private waiting room while they um, got the room ready and I'm just texting her by this stage the shock had worn out quite a bit and I was just really exhausted and also really cold I was very very cold and I was shaking for being cold um and they took me into a room and this is why every hospital can't take people because I have a whole separate room that is for sexual assault or I think domestic violence I think for several things but it's like a room and there's like a room where it's like nice with like couches and you can sit and they had turned all the lights of a separate some like lamps and stuff so it was quite a nice like they had obviously planned it well so we sat down there and they had like said like we're sorry this has happened we need to take the first official statement from you like it doesn't have to go anywhere but it's procedure so I had to talk them through what had happened that night and then they gave me the options afterwards so like well you can just choose to get tested um and leave it at that we can test you for everything and that's that or we can do the forensic swabbing as well and I was like no no no, I don't want the police to know they're like look we don't have to tell them we would never tell them without your permission but we can hold these I think it was 60 days so like we can hold these swabs because right now you may not be at the right mind to make a decision I was like fair cool you are right I'm not in the right mind to make this decision so um I agree I was like okay take the swabs like I may change my mind tomorrow I may change my mind next week so went in to take the swabs and this whole time I had needed to pee (laughs) the entire pretty much from like 3am I needed to pee and I had told her I was like really need to pee and I had been holding it because they had told me not to pee so the first thing they gave me like these special like use the toilet paper and put it in a bag so they could keep it as evidence and because I had been holding it for so long I got a UTI so there was blood and I was like fucking great <laughs> I was like just what I want to deal with right now so I had to give it to them and then they did all the swabs that took an hour 
did what they needed to do. Very like invasive, but I knew they were doing it. And she was very caring, like this doctor. Like I always had so much appreciation for her because like you could just feel the empathy of her, even though she had to, you know, insert swabs into like my mouth or my nipples or anywhere he touched my vagina in my anus. Like it's it's very impersonal but she made it feel sort of okay in a way because you could just tell she cared and the counselor cared so yeah did all the swabs signed everything they needed me to they gave me a morning after pill um they gave me stuff for the uti and they gave me three days off work that's what you get for sexual assault they can't give more um so yeah if you're raped <laughs> you get three days and at the stage obviously with work I just felt so guilty because like we were so busy everyone besides me and my assistant manager were on stand down so if I didn't go the next day it was going to be her and we had another manager starting the next day from our store and I wasn't close with my area manager at the time but I had to text him and be like i later that day and be like I've been in the hospital I can't come to work tomorrow um and so left the hospital it was 8 a.m by that stage so I had been up all night dealing with this got home people had started responding by the stage to my messages and I was like no 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 (laughs) got home and just tried showered (laughs) showered and just went to bed I managed it was about two hours of sleep and then I woke up and not only did I have the messages from my friends checking what had happened and why I was messaging them at night, but I had missed calls from him. I had Tinder messages from him. I had text messages from him um, throughout that morning and being like, are you okay? I'm sorry about last night, everything. And waking up to that, like, I was like, I've only been home for two hours. I've been at the fucking hospital because you fucking assaulted me. Like, I just, I, I couldn't deal with that. Like, I didn't want to look at them. I remember screenshotting them and then just moving them away. And so I ended up just telling to begin with my two colleagues at work because they were the ones who needed to know. And I had messaged them throughout the night and they had chatted each other, be like, did you hear from Maddie? Um, so I had to let her know that I was going to be at work the next day. So they were, really good one of them offered to come over that day and be like do you want me to come over I was like no I was just in the stage I didn't want to see anyone I just got really scared I was just scared and I was exhausted and the next day I had two housemates at the time one had just moved in a few weeks ago we weren't close to him like nothing but the other one I was really close to I had just traveled with him he came on the trip with me but I had won three flights and he was my plus one he was due home that day and I was in bed all day and then we always watched stuff at night together so I just remember sitting on the couch with him and like we'd always talk but I texted we're next to each other on the couch and I was like I need to tell you something. <laughs> and it's like, he says, response out loud. He's like, okay. So I respond again. I was like, I don't want to say it out loud. So please just respond here. So we're next to each other watching whatever we're watching. And I'm just like, I was, I was attacked last night. I went on a date. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not okay. I'm going to be at home. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and like him, like he's like, he was younger than me. I think it was a 24 year old boy, this poor thing. Like, <laughs> and the most like, hates emotion hates crying hates everything he's very unemotional so to deal with this like person having a breakdown next to him yeah he did he did well (laughs) but like oh poor thing and yeah and then I just entered this like just this fear and I was just afraid of everything anyone who's been through it will understand what 
it's like, but anyone who hasn't probably doesn't. You just become afraid. You're just afraid. And like this guy that night we had discussed roughly where I lived. He knew the street I lived on because he surfs at the beach down the road. He's like, oh yeah, that roundabout. So he knew. And I was like, yep, a three, a few doors is up from that. So he knew roughly where I lived. So I just became afraid of anyone sitting inside the apartment. So at all times I had to have all the blinds down. No one was allowed to see it. All the windows had to be locked, all the doors. It was like, I was just, I didn't want anyone to see in. And I couldn't leave the apartment by myself either. I was so afraid to leave, like, but I had to go back to work, obviously. So I spent three days at home. I couldn't eat, like, I was vomiting, like, I was just a mess of myself. I remember calling it, it was like I was a shell. Like, there was just nothing inside me. I was just functioning to make it through, but I couldn't sleep. I would have nightmares. I couldn't eat. I would vomit it up. It was just, it was horrible. And then slowly I, like, had to tell, like, some people and, like, I had to go back to work and that terrified me in itself because we had discussed it that night that I worked for Fly Center and which agency I managed. So he knew where I worked. So that to me was terrifying, not just the fact of going back and dealing with abuse from people, which now I couldn't even comprehend someone like yelling at me. I was just afraid I was going to cry. But the idea that he could show up at any time and confront me, like, that terrified me. I had to, like I had to work. I had to support myself. So going back in, it was so hard. And I think the one positive from COVID is we weren't allowing people into our store. We were allowed to have like, we had gates up. So like we didn't block them, but I locked it from that point. So no one could get into the store. But for me, the scary part was walking to and from my car after work and we didn't have our private toilets or public toilet and I was just so afraid I was so on alert all the time following just like looking for him because we worked in a shopping center I was like maybe he's around the corner maybe he's waiting around there maybe he's waiting up my car because it was parked on the street and maybe he knows what it looks like I like looked up how I could defend myself because like he had proven he could overpower me with body strength and I found out, I don't know if you've ever looked into it, but it's illegal to carry a weapon in Australia to defend yourself. Never knew that was a thing. (laughs) Um, Any weapon, you can't carry a knife, you can't carry mace, you can't carry, um, and you, if you're found, like if a police officer comes up to you and has, is like, oh, you've got a knife on you, you can get in charged for that. You're the one in trouble. Like if he came at me and I'm afraid and I'm carrying a freaking pocket knife or like anything, I'm the one who would be charged. And I just remember feeling this fucking blind rage and being like, the fucking system is so, how do I defend myself against this guy? Like, how do I know he's not going to approach me to discuss that night? Because he's already texted and called me. I was just like, I don't know what to do. And so <laughs> I talked to a few people um, and told people. And one of my friends who had been through something, she's like, and it had been with a work colleague um, that had done assaulted her and so she used to she's like carry around perfume so she's like carry perfume or your lunch you would have brought a fork to work so anytime I left the like um my work office I'd have a fork in my hand and my excuse was that it was for work so if he approached me and I had the fork I hadn't planned it but I could stab him with a fucking fork and run (laughs) and that that's what I had to do it's what I had to do but like it's just 
it's the fair afterwards. Like I couldn't even go do groceries by myself. My colleague had to come and do groceries with me because I would have panic attacks if I was with men around me. I didn't know. Like I just couldn't be around. Even people I had known for years or known my entire life. I told one of my best friends who's I now work with now and she's been there the whole time but I had texted during that night and she responded the next day and I didn't respond to the following day so that was the Monday uh, because she knew something was wrong everyone knew something was wrong you don't get a message from a friend at 2 a.m being like are you awake if something's not wrong like so I just I'd never just start with called it rape I couldn't associate that word with me but I was just like I was attacked she's like oh like you know and they were all I had a great support network but she's like babe I'm so sorry yeah I'm not eating and stuff like that because we're due to go for a walk and she's like I was like I don't want to go for a walk anything so she came over that evening I told her not to she's like I'm I'm bringing you stuff so she just brought me comfort food so she just brought this whole bag of like donuts and like chocolate and shit like that and she's very (laughs) now she's not an affectionate person I was I I, I'm still trying to be but she's like can I hug you and like she she hugged me and I just as soon as she hugged me like I just had my arms up against me I started uncontrollably shaking as soon as he touched me like I just couldn't bear to be touched by people one of the other things that started straight away which I didn't understand was I couldn't look people in the eye like I'd gone from like being very comfortable with myself but I couldn't do it I couldn't look her in the eye when I was talking to my housemates on the couch I couldn't look him in the eye I was just I think it was to do so much with shame that like I just it felt intimidating to look anyone in the eye and that's something I had to fucking retrain myself to do that it's okay to look people in the eye and like all these things I didn't understand like to start with and I don't know if it's the same in Victoria but one thing I can say that's really great with New South Wales is because I went to the hospital that night I was actually assigned a sexual assault counsellor so I started seeing her from the next week at the time I think our first two sessions were in person and then with more restrictive lockdown we had to change to the third but she was really good at being able to talk me through these responses I couldn't understand and like another one like I all the time I would just like I would just stroke my earth like arm I would just sit there like stroking it or pinching it and I never under like I, I didn't understand why and I didn't even realize till someone mentioned it to me while I was talking to them but like you're stroking your arm are you okay and I was like oh like no idea I was doing it so I had to discuss it with her and I was I was just like what is why am I doing this like why and she's like you're you're grounding yourself your body is naturally responding to itself keeping itself in this situation and reminding you that you're not back in that night having her being able to describe stuff to me and understand it because I didn't like I was so lost and I don't know if you were the same after yours but it's like a fucking roller coaster of emotions especially the few weeks after where I could go from uncontrollably sobbing one moment to uncontrollably angry and wanting to scream the next and break things or it could be a day of being sad or it could be then the next day angry and like it's uncontrollable and you have no control over it and you feel so like lost even in yourself because you can't control your body's reactions and I think for me the aftermath that was the hardest thing like just feeling like I had no control over who I was and When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Thank you so much for sharing that because and I think I didn't want to interrupt. I put myself on mute so that because you were in, you were in flow and, you know, it's so the way that you speak about it is so relatable and you can't, you know, you've got so many different things going on and so many different feelings, you know, when somebody gets into flow as well, like you're, you're feeling and you're thinking and it's coming at you and you don't want to interrupt somebody when that state, like, I think it's the way that you've just told your story is so empowering, I think for so many people as well. And I understand that through this whole night, you, you considered a certain part of the encounter consensual. And I think this is important that years later now we've got these affirmative consent laws coming into being enacted about what did, what did, what did the plaintiff or what did the, this person do to show you that they were consenting, you know, and all of this time, if you think about it through that lens, you have not consented at least one bit, you know, you've consistently said, no, you consistently pushed him away. And this person continuing to push your boundaries and wear you down and make you get to a point where you comply with them, not enthusiastically consent, but comply with them, that's not consenting. And under the new laws and under the new statutes, that would also be classed as sexual assault. You can understand how conflicting though that must be, that if there is a part of pleasure happening with that, that it can be quite conflicting. And I think for a lot of male survivors as well, we talk about this a lot because they have a very positive reaction in many ways through having an erection or ejaculating that how do they associate that with the abuse that they've gone through because they've had this response and it's completely understandable, but it is also something that we need to normalize and talk about because it doesn't make it any less horrible what you've gone through because some parts of it weren't there was an orgasm or something could have happened or whatever has, has occurred. That's, that doesn't mean that it wasn't not consensual. And that doesn't mean that it wasn't assault. 
it's not okay. And like looking back, like, you know, now, like when I get to later, like reporting to the police and them saying to me, like, we could go after him for these things. And in my head, I was like, no, like it's okay because I let him. But at the same time, like you said, I said no at every point and I stopped him. And I had never, as I said, had a partner who continuously, if you say no once, they stop. Like, that's it. I had to say no to this guy. I think it was six or seven times throughout that night. And he just kept coming back. And in my head, I was just like, okay, well, if I let him do this next thing, if I let him touch my boob, maybe that will be enough for him and I can go to sleep. And I was just like, looking back, I was like, what the fuck? Like, from the get-go, as soon as he went there, I'd be like, fuck off, leave me the fuck alone. And it gets to the point, like, to when, like, I am testifying in the court and I'm being cross-examined. And the lies, obviously, they said in the court examine but one of them was that when we went to the bedroom his story is that he had taken me to the second bedroom and said here's another bed you can sleep in it tonight and my response was no I want to sleep with you and then walked out and waited for him in his room that was their story and I was like straight away when she said that I was like that's not true and she's like how do you know it's not true (laughs) well firstly in my head I was like because I know it's not true but I was just like because if he offered me that, I would have said, yes, I just wanted to sleep. I was like, that's not the case. Like at no point did you leave me be when I was clearly stating no to you. You kept coming back. I don't care that I enjoyed when you fingered me. I still had said no. I wanted to sleep. I had made that clear. You asked if I wanted to sleep and I said yes. So looking back, yeah, they probably should have fucking went for him for all those acts because I didn't want them. I didn't. Like, I just wanted to fucking sleep. And it's just so frustrating as well because as if, even if you were offered this second bedroom, that would make it any less different and somehow you're culpable for it. Like, in what world, you know, and, you know, you you made a very, like, clear statement there. You said, I let him. That's not consenting. Like, complying with somebody so that you're not in danger is a is a response you know you've got your flight and you've got your flight having somebody consistently push you and wear you down to a point where you're trying to um placate them as well and as a woman this is this is what we do this is kind of what the patriarchy has made us do we're we're pleasers for many reasons but it's also a learned response that we have to avoid danger you know and you've said very clearly to me when you were talking about being on the bathroom and you're going through these different scenarios in your head at the time this these are autonomic responses that you're having immediately to a threat and to danger and your body knows that you're in that state and it's making a a non an unconscious calculation that compliance is probably the best way for you to survive the situation not fighting, not fleeing, you know, you've, you've made that clear that you're even afterwards and you're thinking through scenarios, you're having to think about an escape mechanism and how can you escape this person? And that's just a horrible thing. And I can't believe this fucking, and I know that we'll talk about it, but that, that fucking attorney to even, even say that fucking room as if it changes anything. Yeah, as like her whole defense is he's a lovely young gentleman. But like, and that's the thing, like, why does it talking about that and having to decide what's the safest way to make it out of the situation? Why should there even be the situation? Why does he get to make that choice? Like, it's so fucking bullshit. And like, even talking about like, I know we discussed that the other day, but going to the sentencing of his and the judge, now you know what that night entailed. And the judge fucking for his 50 minutes of deciding what to sentence him, focus on every single sexual act we 
did that night and then at the end he's like well how would he know that you wouldn't want it when you have said yes to everything else that night and I was like what the fuck is wrong with you I was so mad and the DPP was so mad and they apologized on behalf of this judge judge because they're like he should have never focused on those things. They had nothing to do with the assault that happened afterwards. It had nothing to do with anything that happened that night. And they apologized. But having to sit there and listen to this fucking judge in his 60s being like, well, you did all of this with him. Like, you've already said yes six times. So, and like having my fucking two male housemates have to sit there and listen to him, like go through every sexual act I did, which I never disclosed to them, but they were my support people. I was just like, what is wrong with you? like and And also what what does he get to say about that because this is a sentencing this isn't he's already been found guilty so what the so oh oh you know what it's your fault and how how prevalent in this world is victim blaming when you're at the sentencing of somebody who has been charged with a sexual crime and they then blame the victim yeah and I just, I didn't see it coming I'm not gonna lie when I went to that sentencing because I like the judge during the trial like he was nice to me and then to go there and have him say these things about me like up until that stage I never felt the system was broke I knew it was fucked up but until that point I never felt like it was broken but once that happened and I was like you had in your power to make this guy realize what he's done but because he suffers from asthma because he suffers from depression you have decided it's not in the best interest to put him in jail. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? The standard for he was charged with penetration without consent. It's like the highest like charge they can do for sexual assault. And the standard, what they said, the DBP is the standard um, sentence for that is seven years in jail. And they expected and admitted to me that they admit, expected at least five years. And he walks away because I... I didn't stop him from doing other things like that. How is that okay? <laughs> and if it's not even like just that fat fucking being bullshit and you being blamed for something that's not your fault, yeah. in addition to that, it's how and in what world is speaking to a victim of crime ever, yeah. like what, in what world would you ever for any other crime get up there and blame the victim. It's like getting up there and blaming somebody for being fucking murdered or blaming somebody for having their car stolen. Like you're a human being who has had a crime committed against them. Yeah. How dare you get up there and speak to you like that and then to to not even give him any consequences. If anything, his conduct that night showed that he didn't give two shits about what you had to say. You had consistently and persistently said no, pushed him away and did not act in any way like you wanted this to happen. Here's continuation. And if you think about this, like, would you want to get off and have sex with somebody who was not enthusiastically wanting to have sex with you? Like he's laying on top of you, right? And then he goes off and finishes himself off and like just by touching you while you're laying there, like how the fuck in his mind can he ejaculate being like, oh, I'm touching her. Like she's must be loving this or whatever. Like that just, if, in and of itself, that is just absolutely bonkers to me because that shows his pervasive conduct and his consistent, persistent conduct. And it's not like I feel like it shows consistently that this person wasn't lapsing in their judgment. This person was consistently doing this again and again and again and again and did not care what you had to say or what your actions were saying. 
And that yeah. just blows my mind. That's the thing, like, looking at it now, like, I honestly, like, think, like, he's, like, and we discussed it the other night, like, he's from the one of the richest suburbs in Sydney and he grew up there and, like, I honestly, like, and, like, the judge fucking talked about it in the sentence in his life. It's I didn't want to know about. I don't want to have to fucking sit and listen to at eight years old his parents divorced and when he turned 12 he started playing basketball. Why the fuck does that matter when he's raped someone? That has nothing to do. Him playing basketball in high school has nothing to do with fucking raping me and having to listen to that. But listening to his background and, like, the fact, like, his family got him the most um, exclusive most expensive defense attorney for sexual assault in Sydney. I, I I strongly believe he has never been held accountable for anything he's done in his life. Like I honestly don't. And I think this is the first time he's had to face what he did and the consequences because I truly believe his family just probably lost anything else he's ever done under the rug. And it just pisses me off as well because this offender who has been convicted, by the way, this offender would not have the same repercussions as somebody who comes from another, a small suburb, a small town, who's got parents who work two jobs, paycheck to paycheck, and, and is an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander. Like, could you imagine the conduct of a judge that goes in there and you just switch it from being um, this guy from this very rich suburb to an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander human being and, and wonder what the sentencing would have been for somebody who who doesn't look a certain way? who isn't like a certain thing and is getting sentenced. And I'm like, I can't actually in my brain comprehend the sentence that somebody who was an Indigenous human being would have been sentenced to versus this guy for the exact same thing. And that pisses me off too because it's there's one rule for one person and one rule for another. A hundred percent. And that's the thing. My detective, it's so weird. After the sentencing, I I went very much, I think I just switched off. I disconnected. I, I was feeling nothing and I had to do that to survive. But my two housemates who were there, my detective, were fucking furious. And my detective is just, he went on this rant. <laughs> and we have a good con- relationship now to start with me and my detective didn't but now and he's just like you know he's like you know like swearing he's like how dare he like just because he's from the northern beaches probably as well and you know he probably sees his son in him or something like that and he never relates to him and I was like yeah it's probably true he's a very well-to-do judge who probably sees someone either his son or his nephew or someone and sees the same person in him and would think about him in his situation being like well he would never do that so this guy couldn't because this guy you know has a family and his mom is a fucking psychiatrist or a psychologist it's going to be better for re- his rehabilitation um if he stays out of jail and he can tell because his parents the week after he was taken in to be questioned by the police started him with a counselor or a psychologist the week after he wasn't on it before he wasn't seen anyone before but because he had seen a psychologist just consistently for the last two years he's working on his own rehabilitation so he can tell he's a good guy because he's already trying are you or are you just fucking doing it because your rich defense attorney told you that's going to be the best way to get a lighter sentence 100 percent, yeah 100 percent. and this is all facade this is yeah. all for show you know, yeah. and this is why so many people get away with crimes. It's like, oh, they they can't possibly be that bad. They volunteer on the weekends. And it's just like, you know why they volunteer on the weekends? Because if they do get charged with a crime, they want to be charged less than. 
You know, if yeah. you've got a history of committing crimes, maybe that's not going to look good for you. But if you've got a history of a squeaky clean background and you've been going to see a psychologist consistently, then it looks great for you. That If I was a defense attorney, I would be telling my client to do that consistently. Yeah. Go there. You know, they could subpoena the records, make sure that you sound very like you're working on your stuff. Like you can say that for a defendant to do. That doesn't mean that they're actually working on it. And additionally, in what world do you not get the consequences of the crime that you committed because you're sorry for it? Like I, I don't even care if you're sorry for it or not or whatever. You can't, you don't just get a lesser sentence for murder because you didn't, you you know, you've gone to see a psychologist. You don't get a lesser sentence for grand theft because you've gone to see a psychologist. Why, when it's a crime against a woman and a sexual-based crime, are there seemingly no, well, there are no consequences for this guy. And that's the thing. Like the fact to me that he started seeing the psychologist the week after he was like taken into the police. It was months after the crime. If he felt any remorse, he would have started that next fucking week after he did it. But he has consistently said since that like it never happened. He denies it. Um, and like we'll get to it. But like as we discussed, like he admitted it by text. So like, how do you admit this never happened? And for me, like, that's the like fucked up thing. I'm just like, well, like, no, you're not remorseful. And there was like a situation when I was testifying and I was told like, at any stage if I felt like I was breaking, I could ask for it to be excused to reset. So there was one time when I was being cross-examined on day two and I turned to the judge and I was like, I need a moment. And it was just before lunch on that day. And he's like, oh, can you wait? And I was like, I just need a minute to reset. Like I'm like crying and I just felt like I was going to vomit. So I just needed to get out of there. And he's like, oh, maybe we can like take lunch early. It's only 20 minutes. And I was like, no, it's fine. I'm like I'm happy to come back just I need a moment so he, he let me out and my um support person my best friend had to stay in the courtroom um and I was outside the courtroom and I was like recentering myself because I was breathing erratically and I felt like I was going to vomit and I was like calming and like I didn't question it at the time but I was like oh but she had to stay in the room like I wonder why she didn't admit it till after I had finished testifying a few days later she's like I didn't know whether you would want to know this but as soon as the jury was excused and the judge was excused he got up slammed the chair and started fucking yelling and screaming that you were a fucking liar and you're full of fucking shit and you're full of bullshit and I was like okay so this man who comes in a suit every day and behaves the best behavior and when the jury comes in stand and nods to all of them and nods to the judging shows this respect as soon as those people are gone he starts swearing that I'm a fucking liar like <laughs> the facade he put on like he deserves like honestly he deserves an award like <laughs> fuck me but it's somebody like what a fuck with like I just the audacity as well like you're up there crying your heart out, you know, and I, I do want to go back to what, what this process looked like for you. But I think as well, it's just saying like, this has been so difficult for you and to turn around to be like that. And it is, it's a show, you know, and this is where we were talking um, the other night and I'm sure that we'll, we'll discuss it later. It's not a justice system that goes into facts and tries to prove certain types of evidence based on different things that we do know to be factual or scientific or likelihoods or anything like that. This is all a show yeah. and your responses need to be a certain way and you have to act and conduct yourself in a certain way. And it doesn't matter what you do. There are going to be people who are going to blame you because you're a woman, no matter what. 
He just has to sit there and not react like that in front of people. And they think that he's a good little boy from a rich little suburb and his mummy and his very, very expensive lawyer are going to make sure that he gets off scot-free. And it's just absurd to me that this is what we accept as the process and this is the system and this is okay, you know, that we're not even going to try to corroborate certain types of evidence. We're not even going to try and do this. We're literally going to make a show out of it and whoever the best actor and performer is gets off best. Yeah. You know, like Meryl Streep up there versus, I don't know, who's a shit actor? Adam Damos. <laughs> I don't know why I watched Sex Life the other day and he's terrible. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. <laughs> but, like, you know, Meryl Streep versus Adam Damos, she's going to win because she's the much better performer, the much better actor. It's got nothing to do with evidence now. You know, it's all about this performance and that just pisses me off because in what logic, in what world is that okay? Yeah. And I wonder, like, I wonder, like, looking back, if the judge just, like, happened to walk back in because he forgot something and saw him reacting that way, like, outright standing, pointing at my, um, the DPP saying I'm a fucking liar and them having to quickly escort my friend out of the room. If he saw him like that, would he still think he's, you know, working on being a better person and just obviously made a mistake? Would he still think like that? Like, and the fact that he waited for the jury and stuff to leave as well, he's just obviously got control over his ability to do these different things. He's not sitting there crying because he's upset that he's hurt you. He's just angry that potentially he might be held accountable for something for the first time in his fucking life. Thank you so much, Maddie, for coming on and sharing. We've just chatted and we're going to have you back on next week and you're going to tell us a little bit more about what it was like for you to report to the police, to go to the court, et cetera. Um, And I just want to say thank you for being so candid and sharing your story so far. I think so many people are going to relate to the way that you've been feeling and what you've been going through. And you know, apologize for me being very, very animated, but it is just so infuriating and angry making that this is the state of the world and that that you can be treated like this as somebody who is a victim of a crime. But thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having me. Other Maddie, I appreciate it. <laughs> I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Reclaim Me. What an incredible episode to go through with Maddie. She's such an incredible and amazing human and survivor, and she will be back in the next week or two with part three and part four. In those episodes, we kind of go into more detail about what she's had to go through through the specific police processes in addition and the court process as well. It's been an incredible journey to go through with Maddie in terms of capturing this these episodes because we've been able to go into so much detail. Maddie's memory is absolutely incredible and the way that she's been able to articulate herself has been so relatable to so many people. It's one of the most popular episodes that I've ever done and I think it's because she's gone into such detail and the way that she's been articulating her feelings through that have been so relatable to so many people. It's a wonderful thing that we can all listen to and learn from her experiences. And whether that be you can acknowledge within yourself that you've done something wrong before, whether it can be that you can acknowledge within yourself that maybe something that you went through was bad enough as well, but also maybe we can acknowledge that within the friendships and families and connections and relationships that we hold, the people might be going through more than they put on and that people might have things going on that we might be able to support. That honestly is why I started the the Survivor Support Network, sorry, the Survivor Support Network. And it's because sometimes you need that peer-to-peer connection or sometimes you need to ask somebody with some expertise in the area through lived experience about how you might be able to to support somebody who's going through something just like this. 
Again, I want to say thank you so much to Maddie for articulating this in the way that she has and for being able to speak so bravely about her experiences. I will reiterate, like I did at the very beginning of this episode, that these expressions and thoughts and feelings are literally based on experiences and are that they are opinions. These aren't underminings of legal process. This is literally being able to react to the fact that there has been processes and feelings that have gone through as the system has been interpreted and the outcomes have been processed. It's really important that we remember that we don't undermine the systems that are in play in many ways. Sadly, the fact of the matter is that we do have to contend with the possibility of being sued when you speak about any of these processes. So we've tried to make a conceded effort to make sure not only that we abide by every single law and we don't name things and we don't undermine things, but in addition, be able to share the thoughts, feelings and opinions that Maddie and myself have gone through with our own feelings and processes as we've had to deal with them. Thank you so much for listening to Reclaim Me. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.